Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Connor Orr. Albert Breer is here. We are recovering from the Super Bowl. We are full hands on deck dadding. It's President's Day for those who celebrate. So happy President's Day to everyone with a president. And we're going to do a little mailbag episode because the mailmen still have to work. And so why not utilize uh, Why not utilize all the content? Why not bring it to the people, right? I think that's a good idea, Albert. Yep. And I think this is like, this is the week of, as you see on Twitter right now, sort of the no shit Olympics among NFL reporters, <laughs> which we're, we're getting news about a bunch of contracts voiding, which means that cap hits are coming, which were coming one way or the other. And we knew that. So, um, yeah, congratulations to everybody who found paragraph 23 in Mike Evans contract or whatever. <laughs> you did it. Big, big day for you. <laughs> but I do feel like this is the last like down week, right? Like, so 2024 officially begins Monday in Indianapolis. Which is hard to believe. The and second- congratulations to the NFL for filling the calendar up, as was always <laughs> their intention. The minute you step off the plane and then you have all the so- the combine signs in the Indy airport yep. as you're going down the escalator and you're like, man. Because like, for the lay person, whenever I tell someone what I do for a living, they're like, you only write about football? So like from February... Like yeah. from February what 13th do you do in the to July 27th, they're like, are you just kind of like a teacher? No. Uh, <laughs> the the NFL is not that that way. Oh. They they want us to work all offseason, which is good. But it, to your point, the fact that this is the no shit Olympics, I, we need one of those weeks because I feel yeah. like the Super Bowl is the peak of us using our brain. And yeah. then we need to stop for a week and just hand out the the scheduled tweets and then we pop back into all right who's going where what's happening uh how how many how many terrible draft evaluations of caleb williams are we going to have and he's going to go number one anyway we're a week we're a week away from talking about caleb williams fingernails so you can look forward to that i i will say this and so a mailbag we're gonna i'm gonna steal from your mailbag and then i've got a couple other questions too um i (laughs) As I as it sits here right now, so this is two forty eight on Monday, February nineteenth. 
I think that there's like a 99.78 chance that Caleb Williams is the number one overall pick. And every single person that I've talked to who evaluates the position from either a team perspective or a uh, independent private coach perspective is like, he's head and shoulders above everybody else. What, like, we somehow managed to make this into something every year, but this one seems like a tap in. This happened to like... Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence, though, too. And like those yeah. are the two others that I think are in this category that Caleb's in, which is not to say that they're going to become John Elway as NFL players. It's just how they're viewed coming into the league from a talent perspective, from an accomplishment perspective. And I think that what happens is guys just get overexposed. Um, you know, like it, it gets to the point where it's like, okay, there's nothing left to do but nitpick and like tear the guy apart. And so that's what we all do. And so, like, there was, I remember in 2012, this idea, like, could Robert Griffin go in front of Andrew Luck? That was never happening. And then in 2021, <laughs> could Zach Wilson go in front of um, in front of Trevor Lawrence? That was never happening. And I think it's the same thing here, you know, where people are going to talk themselves into Drake May and Jaden Daniels going potentially in front of Caleb Williams when that's not happening. Like... Yeah, we're going to get down to the point where, and it's sort of And Ryan like a, Leaf, but Ryan Leaf part of that too. Ryan Leaf in 98. I'm, I'm, I was a senior in high school for that. I remember that too. People were convincing themselves he could go in front of Peyton Manning. So that's another one for you. Poor Ryan Leaf. But there is someone out there, right? There's some analyst on First Take or FS1 or maybe Sports Illustrated. Who knows? We'll see what kind of mood I'm in. Someone <laughs> is going to construct the God-level 3D chess brain take that for some reason whoever it is uh drake may or Mm -hmm. someone else is better than caleb williams and they're just gonna be showering in clicks and and good for them but and it's going to happen and i don't like honestly i don't really have a huge problem with that if like chris sims right like chris sims always has wacky quarterback rankings but he's a quarterback but he's a quarterback and he like, I actually can appreciate when somebody just takes it like blank slate. Okay. I'm going to look at this and I'm going to pretend like I haven't heard any of the noise. I can appreciate that. It's something else when like one of the Twitter scouts or whatever starts putting it out there. So like, I think it's, you know, it's good conversation and I can enjoy, you know, I can even enjoy the conversation if somebody has like real reason to say like, no, I think Jaden Daniels is going to be a better player in five years than, Caleb Williams, because who knows, maybe that happens. But like, I think the chances of Caleb not going first overall, like it almost feels that that ship sailed like 14 months ago. You know what I mean? Like that this has been in the bag for a while. It is interesting to me though, that it, we've, we've reached this point and fairly so. I think, I feel like kids, the draft process used to be so much worse for prospects because you Mm -hmm. could just print anything. We were sort of not in the era of social consciousness at that point. And people were just unloading on like 18, 19, 20 year old kids. Yeah. But what's kind of interesting, right? Is that there are, there are quarterbacks. There are good players who are going to get drafted who are not as good uh, students who are not as, uh, I don't know. They're not as eager to learn. They're not as eager to work hard. And it's it's interesting because I feel like now it's harder to 
report that information. You have to be way more careful about the way that you disseminate it, and yep. for good reason. But then I do feel like it gets lost in the process a little bit, right? Well, and like it's, that's like it's the idea that it's relevant, which isn't true either. You know what I mean? Like it's the guy's a guy's mental makeup, a guy's ability to focus, his desire to succeed and work hard, his intelligence. Like those are all factors. Like I, in fact. You know, I had a thing in my column today, um, talked to Drew Rosenhaus, like he he and Athletes First both advise their clients not to take the cognitive testing, right? So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna read you something from like a longtime NFL executive who pushed back a little. And this guy like is I trust him a lot, like and being completely fair to him, he did say like I don't think it should be for public consumption, the scores. Yeah. But I thought this was interesting what he said. He said, I, I disagree with the agencies for the most part on this. Here's the problem. These agencies want to try and cover up any issues their clients have to make them as attractive as possible. That's the real reason they don't want them taking the tests. The reality, reality is understanding these flaws would help us greatly to build a plan of support that the player needs to have success. Is there a mental health issue, anxiety, depression? Are there other personality inconsistencies like, like low self-esteem that would impact how we coach the player? Other times, the college character from the school is rough on a player, and the testing calls into question that info because the player did well on the testing. So there are all these layers to what they're trying to do and trying to learn who the kids are ahead of making multi-million dollar decisions that aren't just about flaming a kid, you know, or making a kid look bad. And you know, I, I, I look like I, I, I detest the word leak. Right. Like, cause when I, last year I got some of these scores and I reported them and I'll be honest, like I knew CJ Stroud score. Right. And I didn't report it cause I thought it'd be unfair to him, but there were a couple of kids who scored really high and I reported those on the S two. Right. And my logic was it's not hurting the kid. Right. Like, so I'm not being unfair to the kid. I, I, I gave their agencies a heads up. I was reporting it and it was a factor in the process, you know? And so like, I think, I don't know, like, I, I think we look at everything so black and white now, you know, when there are shades of gray, like is the psychological testing, the aptitude testing, is it completely fair? And no, like it's probably not, but is it a useful tool to teams? Well, they wouldn't be using it if it wasn't, you know? Right. So I think there is a middle ground there. And, um, you know, I, I can respect Drew and, and the athletes first people, their perspective on it too, that you should be able to find a lot, find out a lot from meeting these guys at the senior bowl and the combine and, um, and, and, and a top 30 visits and on pro days, like you should be able to. Um, but I think the other part of this is that like, there is some value in you know, giving them some sort of standardized test. So you can compare them against each other and, um, again, like sometimes that can add up to good things for the players, not bad things. The same way a 40 or a, a bench press or any of that would. I, I understand that like when it becomes public, we're talking about different stigmas and stuff like that. And that sucks. Um, but, you know, I, I just think from a usefulness perspective, like pretending this stuff isn't useful, I think is kind of, I don't know, wrong. Look like looking the other way. So I here's my solution to that problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like this. If you take the S2 test, yeah. you have S2 sign a non-disclosure agreement. Yep. And if your score gets out, you can sue their brains out. That's what I think that every every quarterback who takes the S2 test, and then and then 
So Whatever. the problem is that the teams have it too. So are all the teams going to sign that non-disclosure? And like, oh, how yeah. would that work? You know? So fine. Yeah. I mean, you could do that. Yes. Or you could say to the teams, like, only three people in your organization could have the score, right? Something, Something like, like that. that. And I do think genuinely that if we were to if we were to make it like under threat of prosecution, I don't think we'd see it get out as much, right? Like I, I think yeah. like someone would probably think twice about it. Now, if it's good, okay, why not? You know, who cares? And mm-hmm. then you won't sue. But if it's bad, like CJ Stroud. The S2 thing where they came out a couple weeks ago and they said that actually that was the wrong version of the test that that got leaked to everybody, that, you could argue that that cost him the number one pick in the NFL right. draft. Yeah. I think you could fairly argue that that cost him the number one pick in the NFL draft. He would have a legitimate case if there so, yeah, was like some sort lost, of like docu- what, Like just $3 million from a raw dollar standpoint, something like that, right? Just, like yeah. $4 for, million bucks. Yeah, and not to mention... All of the marketing energy, all of the press, all of the, you know, the organic stuff that comes with now you CJ Stroud will be much more successful, at least over the short term, right? Because he's gonna have because of because of where he went. Because so of where he went. actually worked out for him. It did work out. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. but that's not to say you can't give him a little elbow in the paint, you know, and say, Hey, come on now. Uh yeah, I mean but, he wound up with D'Amico Ryan's instead of, you know, going through a coaching change and year one you know so it did work out for him but i but yeah i get your point like you know the idea going in is you want to get drafted as high as you can and you know you don't want to be dealing with this stuff ahead of the draft and i mean look like there were some teams i I give the texans so much credit for this because you know like i i think teams are learning about this stuff like the texans had a meeting early on that didn't go great with cj and they went back to ohio state and they dug in and they sort of learned a little bit more about like who CJ is as a person. And we're like, okay, like maybe we approach this the wrong way, you know? And then they went back and they did more research and, you know, they wind up landing on CJ as their quarterback. And it looks like it's going to work out for the next 15 years. So I think in a lot of cases, like the teams that are doing it the right way wind up benefiting in these situations. The teams you don't just, uh, you know, follow and up. And the Panthers, I mean, it's not for nothing. The Panthers were like supposedly from what I had heard, Huge on the S2 test when it yes. came to quarterbacks. That, that was a major part of their pre-draft eval. I mean, Tepper's an analytics guy, right? I mean, he yeah. wants something to quantify the process. And it makes sense. But And, and I'm not ready to give up on Bryce Young. Let's let's be real no. here. I, I think no. Bryce Young's going to have a good year next year. Do, do you, I did 32 predictions. I did a prediction for every team, and my prediction was that Bryce Young would outplay every drafted quarterback in the 2024 what do you think about that better stats than every single dra- quarterback who's going to be drafted in the first round so better this, than all the rookies better than all the rookies um that's an interesting point of view i'm just trying to think like so if caleb goes to chicago right and now he's got darnell Wright, dj moore maybe they draft like say malik neighbors ninth overall tenth overall like you could be cooking with gas pretty quick there you know Shane Waldron, experienced play caller. I don't know. I kind of like like the idea of Caleb. I kind of like the idea of Caleb in Chicago. I mean, they, you I know. don't know what his dad thinks of it, but like, I I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> That'll be. By the way, fun. I do have I do have this here. Uh, Bryce Young scored a ninety eight on the S two last year. Um, Will Levis scored a ninety three, so he was close. 
And then I had in this tweet that I put out um, that Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, and Josh Allen were other examples of guys who did really well in the uh, the S two coming out. I know the S two is different, right? It's uh, it measures things that are like you that you can't really study processing. For. Yeah, right, like mental processing. But uh, it goes back to like. Do you ever have to take the California achievement test? Well, you know, here's the other thing too, is like Burrow was sort of like the guy that was like held up as like the example of, and and Joe's a really football. Anybody who's been around, you've been around Joe. I've been around Joe. Like sure. like incredible football IQ, which is a smart person in general. So he probably would have done well in this regardless. But the test was developed at LSU. So I remember talking to some people who were like, yeah, Joe did awesome on it. Like you know, a great, great, great score. But he also might have taken it 15 times when he was in college, you know, like, so he did have a little bit of an edge there. Yeah. As many times as I had to take the SATs to get into Syracuse, which was, you know, how many times did you take the SATs? Twice. 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 I did. The too. SAT saved me from a really mediocre, mediocre is probably an exaggeration. You crushed the SAT? I was the typical... High high SAT, low grade point average guy that the college counselor didn't know what to do with, so told me to apply everywhere. And, Just uh, yeah, see what happens. You know, wound up wound up wound up at Ohio State, which was a lot easier to get into then than it is now. I we had this uh, my my friend who I I sat next to my friend and we were really close in the alphabet, and we had this funny way of saying. Um, words that ended in A G E and like or were G E really where like so college like he would say college and so we, oh so you like enunciated the E yeah as if it was yeah and we had the same essay test so we found out that we had the same thing and he starts saying those words in the way that makes me laugh. And so I would say like halfway through the SATs, I was done. Like I was cracking up. I was saying the words back to him, the prompt, uh, the proctor or whatever was just like yelling at us. It was off the rails very quickly. I don't think like, I don't know if you were an NFL GM, what would you put on my, you know me well enough. What would you put on my eval? Your eval coming out? Yeah. Coming out. Um, let's see. Good question. It seems like a project, like that would that you give me a week ahead, but I'll try to do it off the top of my head. Um, high motor, high, mo- <laughs> high motor. Yeah, I would say high motor. Um, sideline to sideline capability. <laughs> yeah, yeah. High motor, team player. Uh, so I'll give you that. Um, a little irritable. Sure, I think that's fair. Yeah, you know, that's fair. Yeah, chip. If things if things go the wrong way, does is he is he steady? You know, like we'll figure that out over time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can fly. I don't off know. The How, well, you, you got one for me? Uh, well, I, we learned at the Super Bowl that you've gotten into a lot of fights. So I would I'd probably say like just copy and paste whatever they locker put. room issue, locker yeah. room issues. Yeah, copy and paste whatever they called said for Cortland Finnegan. Basically, you know, yeah, um, real major disruptor. Um, what is it in <laughs> hockey? The uh, is it a goon? Yeah, goon. I'm like a hockey goon. <laughs> I can kind of, I can appreciate that. Like uh, Bob Probert, <laughs> I think was that that's the that's the name that comes to mind when I think of hockey goons from my childhood. Bob Probert. Bob Probert. Yeah, kind of a yeah. Bob Probert type. I, that might be before a little before your time. We might be hitting that generation gap between you and I again. But 
if you Google, if you go to YouTube, Bob Probert, I, I bet you'd see a lot of fights. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good though. I mean, you, but you need those guys, you know, in, um, in baseball, they used to call it, um, when I would cover baseball, they'd say that, uh, that, that, that guy has the ass, you know, he's, he's got a red ass. Like red ass, yeah, yeah, he's got red a red ass. ass. A good term, yeah. Red, red ass is a really great term. So I would yeah. put that endearingly for you. Um, yeah, that's why I like. Um, if anyone uh, follows my buddy Tyler Dunn, who's got the site Go Long, uh, mm-hmm. does and a great job over there. He has Bob McGinn, who's the original like Scout Whisper, doing that. And Bob, I mean, listen, no one works harder than Bob. Bob's got files on every player in the NFL. Dude, it dating is unbelievable. Back, like so, fifty years. Yeah, I worked with like the guy who's sort of his contemporary, like Rick Goslin at yeah. in Dallas. Sure. And Goose, like I remember, like so he had a little office at the Dallas Morning News, like like building, right? And it was like a a, a a little like office area, no windows, but like you know, nice little work area, whatever. And he had shelves that had folder after folder after folder on draft prospects. I mean, going back forever. And I remember thinking, like that must be the most useful thing in the world, because like when something happens with somebody. Two years into their career, three years into their career, you can like pull out their file. You know, it was almost like he like treated it like an NFL team would. You know, and uh, and he had binders too. Like I don't know if Bob, I'm sure Bob has similar stuff because Bob is just as like meticulous. But he had like these color coded binders and would <laughs> he would show he would go to the combine. I remember going to the combine with him, and he would get in front of a player and he would ask some like obscure question about like you know, a fight they got into at a baseball game their sophomore year in high school. <laughs> it was it was great. I mean, like, honestly, it was he was so prepared. And it was almost like, I'm sure the players thought, like, God, I got enough of this from these teams, like, like you know, a half hour ago when I was at the when I was in the hotel. Why am I, why am I dealing with this one guy with the color-coded folder? It so, is- uh, love Goose. But, yeah, I, I remember he, um, so this was great. Like, this is a great combine story. So, um he had asked, so Martellus Bennett and Jermichael Finley came out the same year. You remember those names, two tight oh, yeah. ends, both guys who had experience as basketball players. And a line of questioning for Go- from Goose set off this thing with the two of them where they started talking about how, in the separate press conferences, started talking about how they kept switching AAU teams when they were like 14, 15, 16 years old. <laughs> and they explained how they kept going... <laughs> They, they 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 kept switching teams because they would always find a team who had better gear. So like they would go play for this one team this one season, and then they'd find out that like, oh, this other team's getting like this unbelievable swag from Nike, and so they'd switch over to that team. And and, and somehow in your psyche that's supposed to make you not a team player, something like that. I don't know. I don't know. But it was entertaining as hell, that's for sure. Like because they were so I mean, those two were so excited to talk about it too. My one goal for the and then we and then we and then we gave then Martellus Bennett got drafted by the Cowboys and we gave him a blog um, that the the Dallas Morning News yes and the content of that blog there was some stuff on there that like cannot be repeated here like there was um, he did a post on what to do when a chick farts on a date so yeah yeah. Those two, man. those two. I mean, that's a time gone by, man. You can't get away with that stuff anymore. But what year is this? It was like 2008. 
Marty B. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was like coming out of his rookie year, I think. And we gave him a blog. And his blog was like, I mean, there were posts about outer space. like, And there was some stuff, again, that was completely inappropriate. In fact, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to text you one of the uh, subject lines and uh, we'll get your reaction here live on the blog or on the, on the, on the, uh, on the pod. Um, And this was like a, this was like a detailed post, like probably a couple thousand words on this subject. Sent it to you just now. There was another one too. Oh man. (laughs) Here's here's another one that would not go over well now. Wouldn't it be funny if I can't say these? On here, here, here you go. Here's another one. You like this one? <laughs> you know, it'd be funny if like you know how like a bunch of stuff like newspaper websites don't update correctly when like over time, and so like if all the Dallas Morning News content from like 2008 sports just got switched to the Albert Breer byline, and then all those headlines oh, just yeah. went under your, yep. that would be amazing. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
the the one thing that I had always thought about doing at the combine, if I knew I was done as a football writer, uh, which who knows, right? Um, but um, time to go Milton on off in office space. <laughs> well, because I always my favorite line for everybody is, "Isn't it so cool uh, that you get to hang out with football players all the time?" And it is. I it, all yes, it is. But my line for everybody is, um, "Yes, it's cool." But so a football locker room is 53 of the guys who were the best athlete in your high school. Um, And so probably not, probably not just your high school, probably like your county or state, probably county or state. Right. And then there's a couple late bloomers tossed in there. Right. And so I ask everybody, I'm like, think about that guy from your childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you want to hang out with him? Uh, Would you want to go into a room full of those guys (laughs) Uh, knowing that you're going to get made fun of and knowing that you're like not welcome into that space. Um, and so I always thought it would be funny to do like a revenge of the nerds thing where like, let's say we had some sort of top combine prospect. And instead of doing like scouting, I would just interview all the people for, that they'd picked on in high school. And then I would oh, read aloud. Like you'd be like, yeah, um, yeah, I have a I question. Wonder, I wonder if there are teams that do that. I mean, that's where you're going to find out. Go try to find the kid that the player picked on. That's where, I mean, it's a little tropey, right? I think that, I think that things have come a long way. No, 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 no. I mean, like, let me be clear here. And I I wrote a story on this this morning. I like, I think 95% of players in the NFL are actually really good guys, but yeah, there's definitely that element and like they were 16, like everybody else. And so, yeah, that would be interesting. Like go back and like, find out what, (laughs) They did that to an NHL player, Shelby, Shel- producer Shelby, uh, chiming in here. They did that to an. They did. There was that big story, remember, about and that he- kid. Uh, yeah, there was that kid, that guy who got in. There was some sort of hazing or something like that. I can't remember. Okay, hazing is one thing. I'm talking hazing, about, but like- this is, But we're not really talking about hazing. We're talking about like normal hallway on a Wednesday <laughs> at the high school type stuff. You know you what I mean? Like, and I, like, I don't know. I don't even want to use a real prospect's name, but let's say like the top defensive end prospect in the NFL and he sits up there and it's his combine interview and he's all excited. And it's just like, yeah, I have a question. When you flipped over Tom Spangenberg's uh, lunch tray uh, on Buffalo chicken hoagie day, do you, uh, how do you feel uh, that prepared you? And just like watch the color drain from his face and be like, that's for Tom, you know, that's it right there. God bless God, Goose Gosling, a legend, a legend in our business for getting us here because this is fantastic. Like I, like I'm did get, Mahomes pick on people? I'm going to get decredentialed <laughs> from the combine for saying this. But it's Show to, up to, your, and ask. to your point, like, so let's bring that full circle and we'll move into the mailbag. I did the big profile on Bryce Young last year before the draft. Yep. And I did, I talked to like kids, you know, well, t- I talked to like his <laughs> eighth grade science teacher and- yep. You know, because you, you just want to know what, what, what kind of what kind of person is he? And he's like, Connor, you wouldn't believe it. Like Bryce would in eighth grade go. He would walk into science class and walk up and down the science classroom like uh, like up over snake draft style and shake everyone's hand and look at them in the eye and say, how you doing today? So like yep. th- that is largely the character that we're dealing with. So I don't want to paint anybody with a broad brush, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be so funny to just be like, yeah, um, why did you dump your girlfriend after prom? Uh, you know, uh, why didn't why did you tell her you didn't like her dress? You know, 
and uh, oh man, just blow up the combine. Uh, yeah, that High stuff definitely. Gossip. You know what? The more I think about it, like it's like like half the job for these guys, for the scouts and the coaches, is to like get these guys off script a little. So I bet there are questions like that. You know what I mean? Like I bet there's stuff like, how did you know about that? Didn't the, remember the like, Eagles interviewed the valet from the restaurant that Carson Wentz went to? Oh, is that right? Yeah. Because they wanted to know if he was a tipper. Yeah. Valet tipper. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. That I, But that would be how you would get somebody sort of off message. You know what I mean? Like, because they're all so schooled on how to handle the interview process. The job of, I mean, let's call it what it is. The job of the teams is to get those guys off script, right? And try to see who they are and get them being themselves. The easiest way to do that is to ask a question that they wouldn't expect, which is why, by the way, which is why teams get attacked for this, but that's why they ask those questions because the kids are so well schooled now on how to handle the interviews that they got to find a way to kind of get them off script and try to create an avenue to better find out who they are. One team, I remember talking to a prospect, they were asking him like how he would, <laughs> like how he would kill somebody, I think, or something like that. It was really like, I mean, those questions are up my alley, but, uh, you know, uh, just in terms of like, it's a fun question theoretically to answer while you're sitting around with your friends, but I'm not in the biggest job interview of my life. So that'd be a hard one too. Cause it's like with this sport in particular, a violent sport, like where it's like, do I want to show how competitive I am? And do I want to show like how cutthroat I can be? Or do I want to show compassion? Like, it's an interesting question. You know what I mean? Like whether you recruit recuse yourself from something like that or not. You would say you would say put me on put me on defense and let me blitz and you'll find out. Oh, I like it. I right? Like it. Isn't yeah. that the line? And then you This just, is how I kill so I kill somebody by lowering <laughs> my shoulder into them. And then you don't say anything for the rest of the interview and you just stare at the stare at the guy. Yeah. And then low man wins. They're so creeped out that they just back <laughs> away and they draft you with first overall no questions asked. Um all right, these questions won't surprise you Albert because some of them are in your mailbag and some of them we talked about before the show. That's the magic of podcasting. Um yep. the first one I want to know and um, I will also try to answer it, is who is the biggest name that's going to change uniforms this offseason? So it could be a free agent, could be a trade. There's going to be somebody out there, um, obviously, uh, but somebody really consequential that will have a hand in shaping the league in 2024 that's going to change uniforms. Who is that going to be? So, I mean, I guess the easy answer is Kirk Cousins, right? Like, because... I don't think the Vikings are going to go to the fully guaranteed contract level. And I think Kirk wants to stay in Minnesota. How much of a priority is that for him? I, only he knows that. I think Baker winds up back with the Bucks, um, Despite the news from Rick Stroud today, that they're planning on tagging Antoine Winfield. My guess would be they get something done with Baker maybe before free agency uh, begins. I like, so if you're talking about trades, I think there are two guys in particular, maybe maybe three, that I think could wind up moving that are massive names that I think would be bigger names than anybody who'd move in free agency. Those three would be Brian Burns, Brandon Ayuk, and T. Higgins. Mm. Um, so with Burns, I think it's a result of failed negotiations over the last two years. And... Burns knows how other teams value him because the Rams were willing to give up two ones and a, and a, and a three to come and get him um, during the 2022 season. Now, 
the Panthers won't be able to get that much for him anymore because he doesn't have time left on his contract the way that he did then. But could they get like a Frank Clark type of return for him where they get like a one and a two from somebody? That's possible. So I think Brian Burns is one that could be a candidate tag and trade. Um, Brandon Ayuk, like the Niners love him, but something has to give here with the amount of big contracts they have on their roster. And so I could see the Brandon Ayuk thing becoming like a DeForest Buckner thing where it's like, okay, so we have like a, like a traffic jam of big contracts. So what do we do? We have to look in an area where we have a surplus. And four years ago, that was where we have Eric Armstead. Let's sign Eric Armstead and trade DeForest Buckner. Um, in this case, it's, well, we already have Debo Samuel signed. Like, can we afford to have both him and Brandon Ayuk on the roster at the same position? Um, and then T. Higgins, I think, is because I would just say whatever you give T. Higgins becomes Jamar Chase's floor. Right. And I could get myself to a place where logically, if you're Cincinnati, would it make sense to trade T. Higgins, try to get a first-round pick for him if you can, draft, again, like a Malik Neighbors or somebody in the first round, you have him on a rookie contract for the next four years and then sign Jamar Chase, right? Like I can see where all of that sort of looks like it makes sense because the Bengals are going to have a lot of guys they've got to take care of over the next couple of years. And Burrow's already got his contract. So those would be the three. I don't know if you have anybody for me, but those would be the three that I kind of have my eye on. Not saying they, not saying unequivocally they won't stay with the Panthers, the Niners and the Bengals. But I think that those are three that you can at least think of creatively as guys who could be traded. I like it. I, um, I mean, the T Higgins thing is so interesting to me. I advocated last year when Joe Burrow was hurt and the Bengals had that awful start. I was like, why not just sit him? And then, you know, it ended up not working out that way because Jake Browning was pretty good and Brian Callahan's pretty yeah. good. But couldn't you imagine just being able to let T Higgins go? Cause you were going to draft Marvin Harrison jr. And you just have Joe Burrow and Marvin Harrison jr. And you just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be something else. Teams, I mean, I, teams should think more like me, you know. Just give I, I up. do think, but I, but I but I <laughs> I do think like it's one of those where can you afford to pay both guys? You know, you're already paying a tackle in Orlando Brown. You're paying, um, you know, you're paying your center and Ted Karras. You're paying um, both your defensive ends and Hubbard and H- Hendrickson. Um, you gave Logan Wilson a contract. Um, you know, I just like look at like the totality of it. And man, you know what would be fun if they could somehow flip T. Higgins into Brock Bowers. That would imagine. be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. Uh, they and then the 49ers, It's like, man, people don't realize how complicated the dynamics get from here for San Francisco. And yep. it's not that they can't be back in the Super Bowl. And I could see them kind of last dancing it with everybody and trying to get them back. But I don't know, man, like a lot of people are going to have to get paid. A lot of people are getting older, man. That's the team to watch this off season, right? Is like, what are they going to do to try to squeeze another year of competitiveness out of this, but also acknowledge the reality of their situation? I mean, I think like a year or two at best, right? Like is what they have with this core. And I just, if you kick the can down the road contractually again and re- do a bunch of simple restructures and all of that, well, you know, like it, it's going to make the reset more painful whenever the reset comes. 
And the Rams came to that point with their core last year, right? Like where, and I think the Rams showed us, like the Rams, they traded Jalen Ramsey. They let other guys go. They took on $75 million in dead cap. They basically hit a hard reset last year. And the logic behind them doing it was, if we don't do this now, it probably take us two years, not one to dig out. And because they have superior coaching, they were able to make the playoffs in their reset year. Right. So, like, I I mean, I think Kyle could do the same thing Sean did. You know, like, the question is, do you want to do the reset now? Does the fact that you were in the Super Bowl color it, you know? Because maybe the Rams would have done it the year before if they weren't coming off of a Super Bowl, right? You know, like, maybe the Rams waited the extra year to give their team a chance to defend the title. So, if you're the Niners, do you look at it and say, we want to give this core of players one more shot at it? Um, it's a fair question to ask, but there are members of that core who are getting older, no question about it. You know, um, Eric Armstead, Trent Williams. So it's not going to be forever. George Kittle is in his 30s now. Um, it's not going to be forever with this group of players. Second question, which team is going to win the offseason? I think we could easily have said that the Jets won the offseason. I'm not saying that it's a good thing to win the offseason, but yep. I think there's no doubt, right, that every team, there there is a team every year that, comes out and gives you the phenomenal wow um, moments and the big free agency signings. Who is that team? I have a guess. Who Who is your guess? Okay, well, I think like the easy one would be um, the Bears because the Bears, like mm-hmm. I think, are going to be able to get good value for Justin Fields. Not a first, but like they'll be able to get valuable picks for him. Um, and they'll probably come out of this with Caleb Williams and another top 10 pick. And they've got almost $70 million in cap space to spend. So they'd be the easy pick. I'm going to go to the team with the second pick, though. The Commanders, I think, are going to be like the vibes team of the offseason, right? Like I think Dan Quinn and Adam Peters are going to be able to create a good environment there. I think people are going to be excited to go there. I think they're going to draft a quarterback second overall. They have five picks in the top 100, and they have more cap space than any team in football. So they're going to be able to go out there and spend and bring in guys to replace you know, Montez Sweat, to replace Chase Young. Um, and there's a decent core of young players on that roster between you know, Emmanuel Forbes, who's going to have to get better, but Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson. Um, there are some nice young pieces there. So I sort of feel like Washington is going to be able to ride some of the momentum of the sale last summer, of turning things over, and you know, going and getting their franchise quarterback, whether it's Jaden Daniels or Drake May at number two, um, I think there's going to be a lot of excitement about Washington coming out of this offseason. They are the tenth youngest team in the NFL, by the way. They're one of the ten youngest teams in the NFL. Yeah, eighty-three million dollars in cap space, as I see it right now. Um, yeah, I I like that one a lot. Um, Dan Quinn is like. Mr. Vibes. And so you could totally see, and they're going to want to come out and establish some sort of a, like a a separation from the Daniel Snyder era. And even though Daniel Snyder had done some pretty idiotic things in free agency in the past, like maybe you go out and you get like two of the top guys just as a, you know, just as a nod to the fan base to say like, Hey, this is, this is what we're doing. You know, we got you. You know, we see it. I also, I also like the idea of like, you know, I think Quinn's really good at developing defensive talent. Like we saw what he did for Trayvon Diggs in Dallas. Right. So like, again, what does this mean for Forbes? What does this mean for Jamin Davis? Who's been enormously disappointing as a first round linebacker. Can he get him turned around? You know, 
what does it mean for that matter for Deron Payne and, and Jonathan Allen? Like, you know, I, I he's got some pieces to work with there. Like, he's got some pe- Cam Curl. Like, he's got some pieces, and um, you know, like I could I could definitely see where. You know, we're sitting there in July or August and say, hey, you know, like the Eagles have gotten older and the Eagles have turned over a lot of things in the roster and is the time up for the Cowboys. And hey, look at the commanders. I think we could get there by August. Oh, we'll be there. I mean, Eagles fans are already there. They're like bemoaning oh, the sky is falling. You mean? Oh, yeah. They're 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 yeah. they're talking about the Super Bowl with Nick Foles as if it happened in the late 1960s. You know, that like <laughs> yeah. J- Jim Brown was in the was on the opposing team. Yeah. Well, the fact that like the fact that like Nick Sirianni was was on the hot seat was uniquely Philadelphia. You know, I, like less than a year after winning the Super Bowl, it's like, can we have this guy back here? So I think that was very, very uniquely. Philly. But but founded speculation. I mean, yeah, they had talked about not bringing no, him was. back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was. I I, I talked to a coach about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they were just saying, okay, Mike McCarthy. And again, it's, you know, what, however you want to look at it, but wins 12 games three years in a row. Nick Sirianni yeah. makes the Super Bowl, and then the next year makes the playoffs, and everyone's like, yeah, that's not good enough. And it's like, you have to realize, outside of having Patrick Mahomes, the well, Super Bowl, winning, actually winning a physical dude, Super Bowl is such luck. It's such an accumulation is, of luck, you know? See, this is what kills me, too, is like, yeah, I'm listening to the radio the other day, and I'm like, I'm on Boston Sports Radio. I'm a chronic listener too, like, because I just, you know, I like the circus of it all. I'll, guilty as charged. But I listened to two buddies of mine on there um, the other day in the car, and they're talking about like, like Brock Purdy, and they're like, well, you know, Brock Purdy just couldn't make that play that he they needed him to make at the end of the game. Like, what are you talking what play? about? Like, because he's not Patrick Mahomes. So what are you supposed to do then? Snap your fingers and have, like, Josh Allen show up? Like, it doesn't work that way. You know, like, it's like, oh, well, the Niners have had flaws in, in, in the way they've done the quarterback thing. It's like, well, no, they took a huge swing on Trey Lance, and then they hit on a seventh-round pick to mitigate the damage of that. So I'd say they've done pretty well, considering all the circumstances, you know? You can't just snap your fingers and make those guys appear. And there's a reason why, like, the Colts were competitive for 14 straight years and the Patriots never had a downturn for 20, you know, and the Packers have been so consistently good. It's hard to get that right, you know? And, um, like, so this idea, like, well, yeah, the quarterback's the problem. So what do you want them to do? Like, what do you suggest that they do? Outside of literally deploying the the, <laughs> yeah. the robot police dog from MIT, uh, the 49ers yeah. had no other option, and I don't think that's legal. Um, uh, maybe producer <laughs> Shelby can check the NFL rulebook. I don't. That think dog's scary. That dog, that is, dog scary. is scary, and I don't think yeah. he's allowed. I do to not be. trust that dog. I don't think he's allowed to be in an NFL game. We'll double check that. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. 
When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's the next question I have for you. We've talked about, I mean, you answered this in your mailbag, which everyone should read at si.com. Are there questions about the number one pick? Do you think Chicago is going to do anything with it? Or is this as slam dunky as I see it from my perspective? And I'll add the information that I can kind of the information that I can kind of add to the buffet here is it was my understanding that when they interviewed Cliff Kingsbury for offensive coordinator, that was more of a Caleb Williams information gathering <laughs> uh, process yeah. than it was necessarily like a coordinator. They did it out in L.A. too, which was interesting. They did it out in L.A., right. Yeah. So um, that's not normally, <laughs> you know, if you're applying for a job and they're like, no, 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 we'll come to you. Um, yeah, the, the, they may come to you if you're like in the playoffs, but like, yeah. Right. They, they just came to him. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I think, and it was my understanding what um, someone who was very smart told me before the offseason began they said, watch what the Bears do at offensive coordinator. If they keep the OC, it's Justin Fields. If they get rid of the OC, it's Caleb Williams. All yep. signs point to Caleb Williams. Do you see any scenario where the commanders offer them a boatload of picks to get up to number one and the Bears are happy to sit at number two? They pass anything up. They, in some way... So diverge from the process or, or are we thinking it's pretty chalky here? So we always hear these are football decisions, right? Like we always hear these are purely football decisions from owners. Like I don't would never dare, you know, step foot in the draft room and tell anybody what to do. 
there's a business element to this for Washington. They're trying to get oh, yeah. a stadium built. Caleb Williams is from there. So is Chicago, though, too, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm not saying, like, Chicago has every reason to take him, too. But, like, does Washington do something just over the top to try and get him? Because of the, in part, because of, like, the business benefit to it. Let's do the RG3 trade all over again. Except instead of moving from 6-2, to two, we're only moving from 2-1 to one now, and they're getting the same return. <laughs> But here's the thing, though, like, all right, say you are Washington and let's say you're not as sure about Drake May and you're not as sure about and this is where the football part of it comes into. You're not as sure about Jaden Daniels and you think Caleb Williams is, again, in that category, like five of them in my lifetime, right? Like Elway, Manning, Luck, Lawrence and Caleb. Let's say you see it that way, right? Would it be going overboard? No. To give him the RG3 trade? Probably not, right? If that's what you think he is, is that overboard? It's not overboard, but what would it like? So I think it would. But I don't think Chicago is moving the pick. So I mean, we're talking. But Chicago, but Chicago, but the thing is, like, for Chicago, then that's part of the equation, too. Then, like, if if they put that in front of you, well, now it becomes like, okay, how big is the drop off from Caleb to Drake or Caleb to Jaden, right? So that's sort of, that that's the equation too. That's part of the equation too. It could it could get really like again, like I think it's gonna be chalk. I think Chicago trades Justin Fields. I think Chicago drafts Caleb Williams number one overall. I'm interested though to see like how far the commanders would be willing to go to try and get Caleb Williams. Can I I can't get you on my bandwagon? Keep both. What's your bandwagon? Keep both. Keep Justin Fields. And Caleb no, Williams. I think now I think I think you have to make sure. So you're talking about this is be like the Chargers in 2004, right? Yeah, like when they right. So, and I think there is merit to that because I think there's always merit to the idea of taking multiple swings, right? Like that's what the that's how the Seahawks wound up with Russell Wilson. They just kept swinging. Matt Flynn, that could wound up. Yeah, Matt Flynn and and Charlie Whitehurst, and I mean like Tavares Jackson. They took oh, yeah. they did an extra year with Matt Hasselbeck. So they just kept swinging at quarterback. And so I'm not against that. I think the question would be, how does that affect the development of Caleb? And like, can Justin handle that? And I think he can. I think he's like the right kind of kid to do it. Um, I like, I just, the dynamics in the room, like that would be my question would be like, can you, can you manage the dynamics in the room, especially in a year when people's jobs are going to be on the line? And, um, you know, I think that there's 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 like a really fair argument to be made, which I think you're making here on the idea of having both because you get two swings of getting quarterback right. There's nothing more important than getting quarterback right. Um, but and there's also the element of, yeah, we get a return and, you know, that would be draft picks this year that'll help us keep our jobs. And on top of that, there's like the health of the quarterback room, which we have to manage to try and get the most out of the kid we're taking first overall. What do you think you could get for Justin Fields right now? So I, like I, I feel like it's a day two pick and a day three pick. Um, I, I don't think it's a one. Like it sort of feels to me like, would this be a, a two and a six or a three and a five somewhere in there? You know, that'd be my guess. And that's like with the acknowledgement that he's progressed as a player 
He's obviously wildly talented as an athlete. He's still kind of raw, still doesn't see it fast enough, um, but he's gotten better. And like he's going to get really expensive after a year, right? So you got to make a decision on the fifth-year option. What do you do about that? If you don't do that, you don't have control over him. Um, in 2025, you know, he can hit the market or you have to tag him. So there's like a financial component to this that makes acquiring him a little tricky. But I think he should be attractive to like if I'm Atlanta or Vegas or whoever else, like one of those teams that might be just out of range to get one of the top three or trade up for one of the top three quarterbacks. Then, yeah, I mean, it's something I think about, you know, is again, taking one of those, picking up the bat and taking one of those swings at quarterback. Like if you're Atlanta or like say you're Vegas, right? Well, maybe that's a bad example because Luke gets, he just had him in Chicago, but let's say you're one of those teams. Do you look at like, we're going to trade for Justin Fields and draft JJ McCarthy or something like that. Like McCarthy, Penix, Knicks, whoever you like. I like that. You I know? just, I just want, I mean, it's like, I just want as many as possible. You want multiple shots at it, right? Yeah. And I feel like, yeah. okay, if you lose, I was having this argument with someone the other day. You would get a third round pick for Justin Fields if you let him become a free agent after next year. Right. Anyway. Okay. So. And there was a discussion point. Like, look, like it's not like this hasn't been discussed within teams before. Like the Browns had discussed like in their meetings, the idea of taking Baker Mayfield first and Josh Allen fourth overall in 2018. And you look at that now probably would have been a pretty good decision, right? <laughs> For any other team, right? Like a like a good team, and then uh, like a well. And Denzel like Ward's great. Team. Denzel Ward's who they got with a fourth right. pick, but I mean, like, probably wouldn't have been a bad decision. Like, if you look at it, there are like four teams in the NFL who can't do that, right? The Browns are one. The Jets are <laughs> one. Uh, who else am I thinking of? Um, yeah, the Jets. The Jets. There would be like wall to wall coverage on ESPN in like April of their meetings. <laughs> I mean, people seem to forget that there was a secret Tim Tebow practice like a and that was walled off to prevent the rest of the world from seeing what ended up just being the wildcat like that is it was peak insanity it was the complete peak abandonment jets. of logic and reason and we we did that uh that and that just wasn't a that wasn't a Rex Ryan thing that was a Jets thing and that that yeah. would happen again. Um, the Jets couldn't. You know do what that. I remember most about that, like that the the Tebow Jets era was oh my God. Sal Pal's live shots. He's like wearing Wayfarers on the air. That's pretty cool. Yep, and he was playing. I mean, no one can sell a live shot like Sal, Sal can sell a live shot. Absolutely, he was problem. selling the hell out of Tebow in Cortland, New York. I remember by November of that year. Because it had just become a complete disaster, and you're that was twelve, right? Twelve, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking for anything to write at that point, and I do remember doing something on the inherent value of Tim Tebow as a punt up back, uh, an up back yeah. on the punt team, because that's where he got majority of his snaps that year. Yeah. Mike, he'd probably be, I would have thought he'd be pretty good at that too. He was. I wonder, they ran two fake punts that year, and I think they converted both of them. I wonder if Tebow will make the Patriots documentary because <laughs> he was a Patriot. He was a Patriot. Yeah. Next to maybe t- he'll make it in the he. I, I bet he makes it in the Hernandez episode. 
Oh, true. That's true. Yeah. All right. So the Browns couldn't do it. The Jets couldn't do it. Anybody else that I'm thinking of? Cowboys. Um, Cowboys couldn't do it. Yeah, Cowboys. It would be really be tough. Um, um, <laughs> I mean, the Giants would be able to tamp it down. Giants. Probably. The Giants would effectively tamp it down. I right. Like the, they'd be like, like "What are you talking about? Could, this happens well, all the what time." About Philly. But Philly, Philly like, couldn't do it. Do stuff like, they, but they always do stuff like that, though. They still do. They you brought know in I mean? Vince like Young they, for the Dream Team. Remember that? Right. <laughs> Vince right. Young was the one who called it the Dream Team. I was there. Right. So we've seen they can do it. Like the 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 Snyder era Commanders can't do, couldn't do it. I don't know if this era could. Right. But the but they did because they drafted RG three and Kirk Cousins and then like threw them into a competition. True. So they actually did do it. Um. Yeah, I'll never forget the RG three thing. Like the the passive aggressive pet pre- like I was down there a lot the summer thirteen when he was coming back off the ACL, and uh, the passive aggressive like dueling press conferences with him and Mike Shanahan oh. were uh, just a remarkable period in sports journalism history. <laughs> um, all right, Bears. Well, just keep it in mind. That's all I'm going to say. Keep it in mind. Um, all right, I have one more question for you. And mm-hmm. all right. And then I'm gonna go skiing. And then and then you're gonna go skiing. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing dirty sports scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics. Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. 
by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the last question, you wrote about Jimmy Garoppolo in your mailbag. Uh, people wanted to know what his future is. I, th- I felt like last year, after Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers, their situ- situations were settled. Jimmy Garoppolo was sort of your third tier, okay, I know I can plug him in as a starter right now kind of situation. I don't necessarily know. So we have Kirk Cousins is, who can come off the board. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield is probably second. And then you enter this very murky territory like Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby right? Brissett, Ryan Tannehill, Sam Darnold, who I actually kind of liked and thought that um, he looked good. Like that little action he got against the Ravens, he actually looked pretty good. And I think like uh, I, I, my surprise prediction was that he would end up with Vegas competing with Aiden O'Connell for that job because Luke Getzey did call sort of a similar offense. They would boot him a lot, yep. and and Darnold's really good at throwing on on the move. But there is no like third tier Garoppolo safety net this year. How do you think that the quarterback market plays itself out? So, like, I think Garoppolo really the 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 PED thing kills him because I think it's it sort of plays into his reputation for being aloof. You know, there were the issues that he had where they couldn't get a hold of him in the off season when he was in San Francisco. Some of that stuff spilled over to Vegas and. Um, so I think like the idea he's aloof that he would drop the ball on a PED test kind of like confirms some things that people already think about him. And then you have the injury stuff. And I, I just, I wouldn't, I'll tell, I'll put it this way. I wouldn't be totally surprised if Jimmy's done playing football. I, I wouldn't like, I, and I, and I think it would be like maybe like a Cutler type of thing where it's sort of his choice, you know, to walk away. Um, and like, I, so I, I, like, I, I think Jimmy's sort of there, um, like I said earlier, I think Baker stays in Tampa. I think Kirk, it's like 50, 50, whether or not he stays. And, you know, I think part of it could be determined by like how the Vikings, um, massage the situation because they did reach out to his camp last week to open the lines of communication. We'll probably know more next week at the combine. Um, and then beyond that, man, like, I don't, like, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I think, it's why I said, like, I think the market for the top three picks, if any of those teams want to trade, the Bears, the Commanders, the Patriots, I think you're going to have a pretty hot market for those picks because there is a perception that there's a drop-off after the top three quarterbacks. Yeah. And if the veteran options out, out there aren't great, if Baker stays in Tampa, if teams think of Garoppolo the, th- the way I think they're starting to think of Garoppolo, and um, and then you have Kirk out there as maybe like the one prize, and maybe you can get him, maybe you can't, I think that raises the value of those top three picks, you know? So I do think like you'll see um, Chicago, Washington and new England, uh, maybe from amongst each other, but also from, you know, lower in the first round getting blockbuster offers. And uh, that's why I think like somebody like JJ McCarthy is such a fascinating figure as we get to Indy next week, because, you know, Penix and Knicks didn't look great at the senior bowl. And so they've already had their first swing at the draft process JJ hasn't had his first swing at the draft process and there's a lot to like there, but there are questions too. Like, is he big enough? Like teams are going to be able to get up on him and see him now. And like what he looks like physically, um, like 
he's never really had to carry his team. Like, so what does that mean? You know, I, JJ McCarthy, I think becomes like a really interesting figure in, in all of this because of the makeup of the veteran market and because of, you know, the perception again, that there's a drop off after the top three quarterbacks. It really, there, there doesn't seem to be, you can't go into 2024 saying Jacoby Brissett's our guy. You can't go into 2024 no. saying Tyrod Taylor's our guy. You can't go into 2024 saying Ryan Tannehill's our guy. You can't. Jimmy Garoppolo was like the last guy that you could do that with, like a last option three. Yeah. There's, it, it, and we it saw, doesn't exist. And honestly, like we saw, like, so like last year, I wrote a big story in this last year um, where there, like, there was almost like a reluctance from teams to give a B-level quarterback like 30 or $40 million a year. And I think it like was reflected in the market being tepid for Garoppolo, the market being tepid for Carr. Um, you know, like I think that there's like some pushback from people in the league. Like there was a time when the next, that the highest paid quarterback was always the last one, the last starter to get paid. And then you, I think you've seen like the superstars start to separate where they're moving further and further away from the pack. And so how do you pay like the second tier guy? Do you give him more than, you know, like Nick Bosa's making, you know, right. do you give him more than Aaron Donald's making? Um, because that has been the price. And, um, and so like there were, you had Atlanta last year pushing back against that and going with Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter. You had Washington pushing back against that last year and going with Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. Uh, can you do that again? After you saw what happened with Atlanta and Washington where coaches got fired, you know, I think it's job security plays into all these things. And I think like Atlanta and Washington doing something that I think on the right thing was uh, on paper it was, was a like, smart thing. Yeah. Not, not, not a stupid yeah. thing to do. Um, you know, like do some coaches look at it and get it in their head. Like, no, we have to get an answer. You know, if you're Atlanta, if you're Terry Fontenot, like, is it like now I have to get my quarterback. So come hell or high water, I have to come out of this offseason with my quarterback, you know, because of the way last year went. It's just an interesting dynamic there where I think, you know, if you have Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, then, yeah, you pay him whatever whatever they want. You know, it's almost like there's no price too high to, 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 to keep a guy like that. But what if you don't? You know what I mean? Like, what if you don't have access to that guy? And you don't have access to a top three pick. It's an interesting position to be in if you have a quarterback need. You go full wildcat for the year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a friend of mine who said, like, um, he was a football coach. And, um, yeah, I went to college with him. And and he said, like, he'd be fascinated to see what – and this was back, like, in the day when, like, Frank Solich was still at Nebraska, you know. So there was still, like, triple option in, the, uh, in college. And he always said, like, he was like, well, it would be really interesting if some NFL team had the balls to just draft like four of those guys. Yeah. Like four option quarterbacks. Just figure you know? it because, out. Because the biggest thing is injury, right? Like, so if you can mitigate the injury by building depth and now you're running something that's so different than everybody else, you basically got like the Navy offense thing going. Like, could that be a way to do it? Um, it's interesting just because I think that there are different ways to crack the egg now. And, um, you know, I, 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 I don't think that the idea that like I don't want to pay Jimmy Garoppolo or Derek Carr thirty million dollars a year, I don't think that idea is going away. It'll be interesting to see creatively how 
teams handle that now. And again, like I think that might be what gets Kirk Cousins paid because I do think Kirk is a step up above those guys. I do want to pay Derrick Henry $6 million a year to be my zone read quarterback and oh, play him 60 I'm Derrick steps Henry and Lamar Jackson together from your lips to God's ears. That would be awesome to watch. Please let that happen. All right. Albert's out the door. He's going skiing. He's going to be flying down a mountain. Um, I'm going to uh, hold it down for yeah, the Hopefully make it to India in one piece. And make it to India in one piece. We will see you guys out there. Um, yeah, the next time we next time we talk, we're going to be there. Bring your microphone, yeah. Albert. Don't forget. We're going to, we're going to talk go, at the combine. Shelby's got to remind me to go to Best Buy and get the mic I had that broke fixed. So I'm going to work on that this week. We're going to fix the mic. When I get back. We're going to talk at the combine. Stay tuned for Matt and Gilberto on Thursday, and uh, thanks for sticking with us, guys. Happy uh, Happy President's Day. We'll, uh, we'll be with you live in India. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.